On the one hand, ChatGPT, I think, is it is very, very exciting. It's an alternative, a fantastic alternative to the blank page, the fear of the blank page. You can just put in some ideas to get you started, think, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I should be doing, and then just adapt it and tweak it and what have you. So I'm not suggesting that, that teachers just take it verbatim and just, you know, copy and paste it straight into Word or what have you. But why not use it as a a starting point and then adapt it accordingly. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Joe Dale shares his extensive international experience as an instructor and consultant in the world of language education and technology. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Today, we are joined by Joe Dale. Joe is an independent languages consultant from the UK who works with a range of organizations such as Network for Languages, ALL, the British Council, the BBC, Skype, Microsoft, and The Guardian, who described him as an MFL guru. Joe is no stranger to podcasting. As co-host of his own, the hashtag MFL Twitterati, and we're excited to hear about his broad experience with language teaching and technology around the world. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Joe. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure to be. I'm so excited to uh, talk to you guys. Thank you for the opportunity. So we always like to start out by hearing a little bit more about the background and path with languages of our guests. What does that look like for you, Joe? Okay. Well, uh, languages, um, in addition to mathematics, were essentially the subjects I was good at at school. <laughs> I <laughs> seem to have a natural affinity with um, uh, French to start off with, um, and then I did uh, Spanish a little bit later on, a couple of years later. So mm -hmm. when I went to um, the, uh, the, the, the high school... Um, I wanted to do technical drawing, but I wasn't allowed to do that because um, my French apparently was too good and they insisted that I did Spanish, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was hilarious because I ended up doing it for um, advanced level or A level, so the equivalent of what you do when you're uh, 16 to 18 years old. Um, and then yeah. I did a degree uh, in French and linguistics, and I've always been fascinated by languages, uh, language learning, and then um, surprise, surprise, I became... A, um, a language teacher. I was also mm. a, a language assistant as well um, mm -hmm. in uh, Quebec for two years, so French-speaking Canada, and that was a lot of fun. So um, I've always been interested in different languages, in my own language, in uh, puns, in interesting words, in, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a pedant, I suppose, and um, <laughs> I, I just love it. Uh, so it's, that's why I'm so excited to be on, the, on your podcast. Nice. So the intersection of educational technology and language learning looms very large in your work. Um, what, what's your philosophy as far as creating technological tools and integrating them into a curriculum? What's, what is inspirational to you? What intrigues you? Okay, so around sort of 2002, that's when I started really getting into um, technology and languages. I could just, just about um, word process at that point. <laughs> um, I wasn't very good with technology at all. But um, I suddenly um, got, a, got an interest in it. Um, one reason was because of the fact that at the time, uh, the government decided in their wisdom that they were going to allow people to get a discount on uh, their computer. If they wanted to buy a computer, they would get a discounted huh. price. So I got my own computer uh, and that really, really helped. I got my own 
uh, sort of dial-up internet connection back in the old mm-hmm. days of it not being particularly quick. But I um, became very much, you know, like a, an independent learner, uh, learning about how to uh, use technologies. I got really inspired by uh, different websites, um, such as uh, Hot Potatoes um, from Canada. Oh, God, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. And then a little bit later on, um, getting into... Um, there was a Yahoo group called MFL Resources. So MFL standing for Modern Foreign Languages. And um, people were sharing these great PowerPoints and I was downloading hmm. the PowerPoints. I was never sort of using other people's resources. I was just looking at the uh, the different slide animations and things like that they were using, getting mm-hmm. very excited about sort of unpicking how they were achieving different effects and then applying them to my own uh, PowerPoints. I then got into sort of blogging and podcasting around sort of 2005, hmm. 2006. So I was podcasting in 2006, which was um, uh, very, very early. I mean, the, the the expression was only coined in February 2004 by Ben Hamsley from hmm. The Guardian. Mm-hmm. And so I was really, you know, I, in general, I'm an early adopter, but I was, yeah, very early with uh, with podcasting. And then it just sort of just went from there, really. So just to clarify, I don't create... Um, software as such i mm-hmm. create you know powerpoints and i'm i'm a huge curator of content i love uh curating content using tools like wakelet and other such things i'm a big fan of twitter i've got 34,600 followers on twitter and i wow. was um uh the according to the guardian the man behind the mfl twitterati in other words uh, i helped to create and nurture the community uh known as the mfl twitterati which is similar to the langchat community mm-hmm. uh, in the states and um, it's probably one of the proudest things I've ever done. So it's really been, if you like, the the test bed for lots of ways in which I found out about different technologies. So when you see something, you get like a gut reaction to whether you think it's good or not, looking at it through a language teacher's lens, having been a language teacher for, for 13 years, um, and then now being a consultant, um, I sort of, I'm always on the lookout for interesting and uh, innovative tools that I find inspiring. And um, you normally get a you know gut reaction to these um, these different things that come uh, along, and then you maybe tweet about them. Other people um, mm-hmm. look at them, try them out, um, let you know how they've gone in the classroom, and then uh, you get really good insights on the things that you couldn't personally test. So, for example, if you're coming across a new tool, and then um, you want to know whether it works with thirty students all being logged in at the same time, for example. Mm. Then yeah. that's not something that I could personally do because I'm not a teacher now. But by um, looking on Twitter, by being part of this this community, then you can get really good feedback and get a really good idea of what are the the tools which have sort of risen um, to the top, as it were, the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you had to pick one favorite tool right now for um, language teaching in support of language teaching and learning, what would that be? That's a really difficult question, but I would say um, the the tool which I've been presenting about a lot recently is um, Immersive Reader, uh, which, mm. if people don't know, is a tool which comes bundled with Microsoft tools such as Word and PowerPoint and Class Notebook. Um, it also comes as part of Wakelet as well and Flip, which used to be called Flipgrid, which, which also mm. um, yes, is part yeah. of the Microsoft suite. But uh, I'm also a big fan of the Chrome extension called Use Immersive Reader, on websites, which essentially replicates the same functionality as mm-hmm. Immersive Reader and can be used um, for free. And you don't need a 365 subscription uh, on the web. So if you're in Chrome or you could use the Microsoft Edge browser as long as, as, long as you um, 
configure it so that in the Chrome Web Store you can enable extensions to work within the Edge browser. Mm -hmm. Some people don't know that, so that's a that's a really good tip. Um, I would suggest, um, and mm -hmm. therefore you could take, for example, um, any text. Um, on the web page and you can just um, select that text, right click it and then it will say help me read this which is the icon that, that comes up because of the fact you've got that extension installed and then it will then launch Immersive Reader. Um, immersive Reader automatically recognizes the language which is a really nice tip. I was showing someone yeah. yesterday um, about Bulgarian. I don't speak Bulgarian personally but it was able to recognize Bulgarian and then give a nice model of pronunciation back to the nice. um, the person that was on the Zoom call, which is really cool. And then it's got some other features, such as you can choose a male or female voice, you can speed it up or slow it down. Um, huh. You can uh, choose the different parts of speech. So for example, you can have all the nouns in a certain color, all the verbs in a certain color, the adverbs, the adjectives, etc. Huh. You can choose um, to divide words into different syllables. Um, you can also have this line focus feature. So it means that you can have the text being read, you know, line by line if you want to with like yeah. a black space above and a black space below. So in the olden days, we would just use oh, a yeah, ruler yeah. and move the ruler down the page. <laughs> it's the same yes. sort of thing. You can change the font size. You can, you can change wow. the background. Um, so it can be, say, a blue background or a yellow background, which is going to be particularly helpful for... Uh, dyslexic readers that might find that the text is sort of swimming on the page and if they're not mm -hmm. using line focus or they might find that it's easier to read with a colored background you've got a range of colors to choose from there's also a picture dictionary as well uh, inbuilt so you can click on certain words mm -hmm. normally nouns and if it's available a picture will come up to help you understand that word and you can even sort of translate um, the text word by word if you want to as well so you can click on a word you'll get the model pronunciation of that word you'll get the translated version plus the pronunciation of the translated word. And hmm. if the picture is available, you'll get the picture as well. So I've been showing that to lots of different people. Um, mm -hmm. You can even, I've even used it in relation to ChatGPT. So I've, I've put in, for example, um, write a, a short uh, text of 50 words about uh, the daily routine of Mickey Mouse uh, in simple <laughs> French. And it will then generate mm -hmm. this text. And then I will then use that as a text, which can then be read back to me using Immersive Reader. So I think for uh, promoting um, independence and autonomy and for giving students a model of pronunciation, I think it's really, really good. And just general mm -hmm. um, grammar, aware, raising grammar awareness, I think. it's uh, mm -hmm. it, it always goes down really well and people say, is this free? I can't believe it. It's great. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's awesome. So speaking of ChatGPT, earlier this season, we spoke with guests about that tool. We also um, had a guest who spoke about Amazon's Alexa AI. And we generally discussed the challenges and opportunities that AI presents to the language learning community. What strikes you the most when thinking about the pros and cons of machine learning for human language learning? Well, I think on the one hand, um, ChatGPT, I think, is it is very, very exciting um, in general. It's probably been uh, one of the most exciting bits of technology that we've seen in recent years. And I think mm -hmm. it's generally it's going to be a game changer. There yep. are some negatives, which I'll come on to in a moment. But yep. to me, the positives from a language teaching point of view is uh, it can produce a whole range of different um, texts and resources really easily and simply. For example, you could, uh, in the example I just gave about uh, Mickey mm -hmm. Mouse, I could say, right, I want a title for the text. I want the text itself. I want to have five comprehension questions. I want to have an answer key. And it would be able to 
create that literally in a few seconds. So from yeah. that point of view, it can do the heavy lifting yep. of creating uh, resources for the classroom, maybe for cover work, um, if a student is absent. Um, you can do other things with it. You could, uh, from an independent language learning point of view, you can have a conversation with it. So you could, for example, say, um, okay, can I have a conversation with you in uh, Spanish about mm -hmm. um, going to the beach with my friends on a Sunday afternoon? And then you could just um, have that conversation as if the other person that you're talking to is a real person, but of course it's chat GPT. So I think from the point of view of... Uh, removing the fear maybe of talking to an actual person uh, or yeah, just giving yeah, you courage. Um, it could be a great way in which you can develop your uh, speaking skills in that situation. Um, you could use, if you were accessing it on an iPad or or on a phone with voice dictation, you could literally um, uh, produce your prompt, as one says, using your voice and then have a, have a conversation. So you could literally be talking... Um, in the target language in that way, which I think is great. You could uh, write a text maybe, you could put that into ChatGPT. It, uh, you could then ask it to tell you what the mistakes are, what you can mm -hmm. do to improve it. You could um, uh, create, you know, gapful activities, um, uh, 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 find the, uh, the solution to the, the, the quiz, unscramble uh, words, um, mm -hmm. put things into the right order. You could take an authentic text and put it into ChatGPT and ask it to summarize it to make it more accessible to students. For example, you can literally say, uh, I want this text to be aimed at a, a B1 learner, for example, using the mm. um, uh, Central European uh, Framework for Languages uh, would be a great uh, idea as well. I've even, because I've been very interested in this topic, which is probably obvious, I've been sort of <laughs> watching lots and lots of webinars around yeah. how people are using it and also uh, YouTube clips. Uh, one really interesting way, I think, is how you can get it to create an outline for a mind map in MindMeister. So you can say, for example, I'd like a mind map around um, this particular topic. Um, it will then create the different nodes that it needs. And then you just take that, put that into mind Mi Mi MindMeister, and it will literally create a mind map for you. So huh. those sorts of things, I think, um, are just some of the ways. Those are, the, to me, the real pros of this and the fact that mm -hmm. it does recognize a whole range of different languages as well. It's, yep. it's obviously been trained um, uh, particularly in, in English, but I think what it's doing mm -hmm. is it's using translation uh, in order to create the activities if you want to, for example, say I want you know such such a, a text in French, German, Spanish, what have you, or yeah. if you want to put the prompts themselves in the target language, then it can also cope with that really, really well. The, the one uh, going on to uh, on to cons, the one thing, mm -hmm. well, one thing that I found uh, which has been interesting is um, sometimes it just lies. It's you know you ask uh, it a yes. question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it will, it, it, like, a, like a naughty kid that doesn't want to own up, you know, it, it just tells you a load of uh, rubbish that's not true. For example, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, music, and there was a particular band that I was saying uh, to it, oh, tell me about um, uh, the background of this band and tell me, you know, uh, the albums they produced. And two of those albums were correct, and the other six were completely made up, just hilarious, you know. <laughs> oh. And, and I've heard on a more serious note, you know, academics uh, saying, uh, mm -hmm. give me citations for such and such yep. a a theme Correct. and um, some of them were completely made up. So we have to yep. take with a pinch yep. of salt the, mm -hmm. the, the, right. the the truthfulness of some of the content, which it, admittedly it says that on the actual website itself. But if we're just sure. talking about creating generic uh, text, which can be focused on a particular age or a particular year group or 
involving, you know, personalities and that sort of thing. For example, just as a giggle, again, I was inspired by someone on, on Twitter saying that he was um, creating a little sort of bedtime stories to read to his children. I did exactly the same thing. So um, when I'm um, doing bath time with my son, who's eight years old, I'll say, I said to him recently a couple of times, you know, okay, so give me the names of two characters, give me a context, and I put it all uh -huh. into the tool and then read him the story that, that ChatGPT generated and he loved it. He absolutely loved it. And, oh, and I said, awesome. oh, do you want it to be a funny story or a scary story? He said, oh, I think a funny story, Dad. So I, so, so I in my prompt, huh. I said, uh, make it a funny story, please. And it was just it was just great. I mean, there were some people that criticized this, the storytelling techniques of ChatGPT. I noticed, I was watching a YouTube clip about that today and there was um, hmm. <laughs> someone saying, oh, it's all very generic, which, you know, to, to me, that's, that's the key. It's about... It's about, you know, creating this sort of skeleton structure. Mm -hmm. And then yep. obviously any teacher who knows their salt uh, knows um, their students and knows what it is they need to do to adapt and to sure. tweak. But it's it, it's 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 a um, it's an alternative, a fantastic alternative to the blank page, the fear of the blank mm -hmm. page. Mm -hmm. You can just mm -hmm. put in some ideas to get you started. Think, oh, yeah, that's that's what I should be doing. And then just adapt it and tweak it and what have you. So I'm not suggesting that that teachers just take it verbatim and just, you know, copy and paste it straight into Word or what have you. But why not use it as a, a starting point and then adapt it accordingly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I need to play more with ChatGPT because some of the ideas you just talked about, um, <laughs> I want to go home right now and, and have it write little funny or scary stories too. <laughs> yeah, I had, hadn't considered its uh, advantages for you know, when you're at a loss for a bedtime story, that's a whole new new uh, <laughs> arena I hadn't considered. We've spoken with a few other folks on the podcast about chat GPT and other, you know, AI and other technology that, you know, I, that I feel like if you look at the news, it would imply maybe that civilization is ending. And when I talk to the actual educators and folks who are on the ground using it, They'll tell us what the cons are, but there's all this opportunity that it, I, mm -hmm. I feel it's I'm getting a much better picture of of what's ahead of us from the folks who are actually using <laughs> these these techniques and these. Well, I mean, as per normal, uh, the people that are really into technology, they're all over the latest technology. It so happens the mm -hmm. latest technology is ChatGPT and they're trying to work out you know, the, the things which we should be worried about, but at the same time, right. the the possibilities. And that's why by um, reading on Twitter, by watching YouTube clips, by attending webinars, you get a really good sense, I think, in quite a short period of time on yeah. how it can be used in a really positive way in the ways that I've talked about. I mean, if we're talking about more of the cons, I mean, for example, one thing which I think is really, really important to talk about in relation to um, using ChatGPT as a learner is that you have to be 18 or above to use ChatGPT. So a lot mm. of people, I think, aren't aware of that fact. And I've pointed this out a few times on forums and uh, mm -hmm. and what have you. Uh, and also the fact that you need to put in a mobile phone number to create an account. So I'm not not naive enough to think that students are not going to be using it who are sort of K-12 um, sure. age. But at the same time, uh, as with anything to do with the web and technology, I think it's really important that um, teachers, one, raise awareness of the capabilities of what ChatGPT can do and AI in general, 
and then um, train the students or let the students be aware of the the dangers uh, of, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. uh, ChatGPT, you know, scraping the data um, of individuals and not putting in personal right. information into ChatGPT. Mm. Oh, true. Because who knows where this is going to go. But I think at the moment, right. from the point of view of saving uh, teachers' time, I think it's great. Mm -hmm. And But I'm not naive enough to think that students are not going to use it and are not going to go down the, the whole uh, rabbit hole of, of saying, oh, yes, it's definitely my work. I know, you know, how to mm. use the subjunctive, even though I've sure. only been learning Spanish for two yeah, yeah, yeah. weeks. <laughs> um, and it's, this is just like Google Translate, but on steroids, as it were. Exactly. So so language teachers have been aware of Google Translate issues, well, not even issues, the problem of Google Translate, should I say, although I know it can be used in a constructive way as well, but the, mm -hmm. the issue around uh, students and then maybe the parents of those students swearing blind that they definitely did the work on their own independently. And mm -hmm. of course, they know how to use the past historic, even though they've only been learning, you know, for a few weeks. <laughs> um, so I think there's going to be a lot of students that were just saying, oh, yeah, I'll just take my text, put it into ChatGPT, and that'll be it. But there will be some students that will love the way in which they can take a text that maybe has been marked by the teacher, and then they can get feedback, really mm -hmm. personalized feedback, which is, you know, we've used the mm -hmm. term personalized learning for years and years and years. To me, this is a fantastic way of really, really personalizing the learning in the sense that if a student had access to ChatGPT, then they could um, get immediate feedback. They could get um, uh, the words which maybe they found difficult. They could um, ask ChatGPT to generate quizzes based on those particular words. They could ask for definitions. Mm -hmm. They could ask for sentences with that word in different contexts, that sort of thing. I think for the the independent learner that just loves, loves languages, a bit like me when I was at secondary school or K-12, yeah. maybe that would be something I would be doing nowadays. I don't know. But certainly when I was teaching, there was always some students or some parents that would ring me up saying, you know, my son or daughter is so keen about languages. Can you recommend some yeah. independent resources they can access? And great, I would yeah. say things like, oh, you know, watch the BBC um, programs mm -hmm. or have a listen to uh, podcasts uh, on this uh, subject, etc. And and because um, there are so many more resources nowadays for that sort of independent practice, I think it's a it's a real uh, the sort of digital revolution at the moment mm. is amazing. And I think ChatGPT is just a whole new level. So mm -hmm. let's mm -hmm. hope we we don't have the scaremonger saying. Uh, let's not use this ever. Let's uh, just shut it all down. I mean, I know that uh, New York, for example, the um, you know that the the district there, it's um, they they banned um, ChatGPT, haven't they, from high schools? Uh, likewise, mm. in Queensland, Education Queensland or EQ for short, they've also banned it as well. And I just think that's mm. not the right way to go. But yeah. who knows what's going to be happening in the future? Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. you know, I also think it's a question of how teachers formulate their tasks for their students, right? I mean, of course, if you're simply going to ask students for, you know, very factual information that they can easily find out or for a very generic essay that they have to write, yeah, of course, they're going to use Google Translate and JetGPT. But as long as educators are mindful of having students apply their knowledge in a way where such a bot can't just spit out a, a perfect answer that's, you know, appropriate to their proficiency level, then I think, as you said, there are a lot of affordances for for feedback, for making teachers' lives um, a little bit more time, less time intensive, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think that's exactly what... Um, 
educators need to do nowadays. And that's what lots of other educators have said, that we need to th- rethink how we do assessments. Are we going to go back mm-hmm. to, you know, paper mm-hmm. and pen and that sort of thing? Uh, do we need to rethink the sorts of assignments that we set? I mean, in relation to, say, Google Translate, I know there were lots of language teachers who uh, will not set written homework because they just know that there'll be too many students that will just pass mm-hmm. it off um, through Google Translate and then say, oh, it's mm-hmm. my own, and this is just going to be on a whole new level with yeah. ChatGPT. So yep. uh, thinking about um, alternative ways of assessment, I think, is a really good thing. It's a healthy thing. And yep. um, in fact, on that point, I, I, I saw this hilarious Facebook um video which was someone had put in a text into chat gpt and then had been able to um wire up a system whereby it was uh, that the uh the, the sort of machine that <laughs> that they were using were able to read the text and then literally with a pen was able to write on uh, a piece of mm. paper with a pen that was being the the what they were writing was being generated through digital oh, wow. text yeah so that way, I suppose huh. you would never, unless, unless, well, I suppose the handwriting would be very different from, but if you always use, I don't, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> when you put technology in innovative hands, you're always going to get, but I just thought that was hilarious. The, the fact, you know, one way yeah. of getting around ChatGPT, who knows yeah. how long it took them to work that out. But, uh, yeah. but the, I mean, there are other tools which you can um, take a, a text and then put that into. Um, uh, yeah, another another web tool which will then sort of change it enough, supposedly, so you're not able to recognise um, whether it's been made by Chat GPT or similar. So there's, I think, mm-hmm. Zero GPT, for example, is one uh, tool that uh, was developed by um, I think it was a Harvard graduate, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, but again, there, there have been people that have been testing that out and saying, well, I put in the text that I definitely wrote myself, and it said that mm-hmm. it was generated mm-hmm. by the AI. But there are yeah. There are other texts that that people have been put in that have said yes. This you know this is ninety five percent probable. This was written by AI. So I think those are those are going to be tools that are going to be uh, helpful. But at the same time, there'll be someone that will find out a workaround. You know, and that's just the, and if there are students that want to cheat, they will always find ways of cheating. But I think of course you know of course yeah. I, to, to me, yep. it's a very positive thing. I must say, uh, I'm really excited about it. Genuinely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I remember when when I was in school and the thing that was going to ruin, you know, students and teachers was Wikipedia and everyone <laughs> fi- figured that out. And so it's it's interesting to see the, the cycles of these things. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> you've been pretty thorough talking about this, but in the past when we've talked about AI and machine language learning on the podcast, we do always like to ask our guests uh, if our listeners should be preparing for the robot uprising. Doesn't sound like you're concerned about that, but any thoughts you have on that? Well, I've heard that for years and years and years. You know, are uh, computers, uh, is technology going to take over and replace teachers? And I don't think uh, that's ever been the case. And I still don't think that is now. I think it's a a huge opportunity for teachers to harness the power of uh, tools like ChatGPT. And there's going to be even more coming out um, moving forward, I'm sure. Um, but I think that that's never going to happen. What's going to happen is you'll be able to see more clearly the teachers that are harnessing the power of ChatGPT and the teachers who are not, uh, which has been the case with technology for years and years and years. Mm. But I, I really don't believe in this idea of the machines uprising at all. Yeah. <laughs> I think that um, the on another level, I mean, the whole the soft skills that a teacher has, the the empathy that the teacher has, I think, uh, is incredibly important. And at the end of the day, students want to be social. They want to be with 
uh, their, their peers. True. They want to yep. be in a classroom with um, with a teacher, I think. I think nothing has changed. I think that for uh, those students that want to get extra support and extra practice and can have a, a natural, inverted commas, conversation with uh, ChatGPT, I think that that will um, allow them to really get the absolute most they can out of um, a, a tool of that nature. So in other words, there's nothing stopping them apart from the time it would take them to to access uh, the technology, bearing in mind, disclaimer, they have to be 18 or above, of course. Hmm. But I think that um, has anything to do with technology and, and independent learning. I think that there's nothing hold, holding people back nowadays. And of course, you know, one could say, well, we've had libraries and what have you for years, and that is absolutely true. Yeah. But there's... There's a certain, to me anyway, a certain attraction about using and learning through the technology, although we have to be mindful of screen time, of course, and the the buzz that you can get about uh, learning uh, something yourself and, and, and getting that, um, you know, that, that satisfaction, that motivation by working things out and not being um, criticised by anybody or just having a, a chat with ChatGPT I'm sure for, say, autistic students, I'm sure that they probably love having mm. that interaction um, with um, a, a, with an AI and they can just ask as many questions as they want to and they know mm -hmm. they won't be judged or condemned or mm. laughed at or what have you. So I think there's a lot to to say about how you know fantastic it can be. But we're, we're still early days. I mean, it was it was the end of November yeah. when this came out and already... Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Already... Um, yeah. We're, we're thinking, well, how can we possibly live without ChatGPT? I mean, another, <laughs> another, another issue maybe I'd love to to get your thoughts about is what pronouns should we use for ChatGPT? Because the other day, oh, interesting, I was on another yeah. podcast talking about. Uh, at one point, I said his. Another point, I said they, and then we just laughed about it. I said, you know, what? what so, uh. what would you say? What would you say, uh, Angelica and uh, Sam? What what pronoun should we use? Should we say? He, she, they. What do you think? I'm, I, I love they, them. I love yeah, I love probably. they, them as a singular gender neutral pronoun. I think it's so useful, and and I think it, it's been a long time coming. So that's my stance. Yeah, that's that's, that's my first choice for ChatGPT. Well, and you know, it's funny because the the term itself, ChatGPT. It's not like Alexa or Siri that that invokes like maybe a, a female something or other. Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah, they they them. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a voice will be coming very soon um, to ChatGPT. Mm, I, mean, I mean, already, very in fact, true. on that point, you can you say um, you know a speak selection or as I talked about immersive reader. So on the iPad, for example, you can. Uh, highlight the text and then you speak selection it can, and it can read it back to you. But I'm sure there'll mm -hmm. be uh, a time, very time soon, mm -hmm. whereby you can literally interact and it will speak back to you. Um, a little bit like the film um, She with um, with uh, Joaquin uh, Phoenix and um, oh, yeah. uh, Scarlett Johansson, which was 10 years old. Now, I looked it up the other day. Huh, it's, wow. it's 10 years ago that came out. But that was mm -hmm. really the... Uh, um, mm -hmm. the film that yeah that, that let us know about the future maybe um, yeah, or the yeah. possibilities mm -hmm. but so uh, that was really really interesting I think as well <laughs> about how this is now as, as with anything to do with sci-fi I suppose it eventually some things anyway can come true and that would be an yeah. example of that I think hmm. interesting where can our listeners find out more about you and your work Joe Okay. Um, well, my Twitter handle is at Joe Dale. So that's probably the easiest uh, way of finding me. I'm just literally J-O-E 
D-A-L-E. I've been on Twitter since um, May 2007. So uh, I'm, I'm coming Early up adopter. to my, uh, yep. my anniversary for this year, as it were, which is, uh, which is really cool. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. So if you just search me on LinkedIn, that's easy to find. I am on Facebook. Um, but I'm in I'm in lots of groups on on Facebook, but I don't do my conversation on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram either, to be honest. I'm I'm on these org- uh, on these um these places, but I do all my conversation, my sort of updating on Twitter because you mm-hmm. can easily spread yourself too thin. I think, and you have yep. to be very very aware of that fact. Um, and my my podcast I, I did back in 2019 with uh, the amazing Noah Geisel from Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. is still available. Uh, we did 10 episodes um, between an hour to an hour and a half uh, each. There's plenty of content. It's still there. And it's called um, mfltwitteratipodcast.com is the website. Um, and yeah, anyone who's interested in podcasting or podcasting uh, tips, just get in touch. Um, I also do a, a podcasting masterclass training uh, session, which can be done um, one-to-one or in a group. Uh, it's five separate sessions going from sort of beginner to um, advanced, going through all the things I've talked about, plus lots of other things as well. And um, I would love to hear from anybody who's interested in anything to do with technology, languages, chat GPT, uh, anything and and, and uh, yeah, everything in between. Uh, that would be mm-hmm. amazing. And thank you again so much for the opportunity of talking about chat GPT, languages, technology, and podcasting all in the same episode. Great stuff. Yeah. No, thank it. you. This was, yeah, no, this was great. Lots of Lots of good suggestions here. So lots of things to unpack for Sam and I and, and for our listeners too, hopefully. Um, Joe, before we sign off, we'd like to ask you to share a word in your language you speak, you love, you are learning, you want to learn that makes you giggle. What is that word? Okay. So I was thinking about this 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 uh, this question for a while um, and... I decided to. Well, there's so many I could say. Well, if I can go for, can I go for one word and one expression? Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. So I was going to go for a word. Um, I would say probably the word, a word like pomplemousse, which I just find is is funny. <laughs> it's a French word for those people that don't realise pomplemousse, just because it sounds funny on the mouth, really. Um, <laughs> it's a favourite of mine. Uh, <laughs> yes. So similarly, uh, grenouille as well, frog as well. I think that's a great sounding word just because it's hard to make that sound, um, O-U-I-L-L-E. And then for an expression uh, would be je crève la dalle, which literally means um, I'm bursting the slab or the, you know, the, the, like the pavement slab that you have on the ground in, uh, in France. And of course, uh, back in the day, because I was always saying that I was, uh, I was a young man, always hungry, always starving, because literally it means I'm starving. Uh, my French friends at the time when I was in uh, Montpellier as part of my uh, my year out, I was lucky enough to have a year in Montpellier as a student. Mm. They would say, oh yeah, je crève la jodale. And they thought that was absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if that's where that was headed. <laughs> exactly. That's so uh, yeah, je crève la dalle. <laughs> I'm bursting the pavement slab, but literally I'm hungry. So that's my favorite nice. expression. Thank you so much for speaking of language with us today, Joe. Oh, it's been amazing. I, as I've said, I always love talking about languages and uh, technology and podcasting. So it's been a genuine pleasure. And I genuinely hope that listeners find the content useful and they can always get in touch with me if there's anything they're not sure about or they want a bit of help with. Or maybe they've been ins- inspired. Who knows? That'd be lovely. We'll be back again next week with a new guest and another exciting topic in the world of languages. 
Until then, auf Wiederhören. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or follow Cornell LRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners and do stay tuned for our next episode.